Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to season eight of the Rugby yes. Pod. Yes. Big Jim and Slim Agudi are back with me as usual. We'll be dissecting a summer of change, both on and off the pitch. Taking a look at all the home nation's squads, who will or who won't make the cut for next month's World Cup. We'll also be dissecting the warm-up matches that got underway at the weekend, as well as the latest in the rugby championship. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. First things first, elephant in the room that is no longer an elephant. How are we, lads? Season you, eight. <laughs> season eight. Who'd have thought we'd have got to season eight? Who would have thought we would get to season eight looking, not all of us, with you looking in the best shape? It is blowing my mind. Thank it, you, James. It blew my mind. Thank you, James. Genuinely. Nicest thing you've ever said to me. Unbelievable. I've said a few nice things to you. You have, but not, Generally, not, not in public. On, yeah, not in public, not, not on the podcast. <laughs> Holy shit. Yes. Honesty call now, I've had people stopping me left, right and centre with smiles, like bewilderment when they say, have you seen the pictures of Andy Good?" I said, of course I've seen the pictures. I've been part of the journey. I kind of prompted him, I pushed him into this and people aren't believing what they're seeing. That picture that you posted of before <laughs> and after yes. is Quite amazing, like yeah. genuine, genuinely well done. Thank you, James. Can we go through the process of it then? Because we've got to deal with what bike, oh, all good. And we had Nick Gill on, all good. I mean, what a legend of a bloke. We were unsure whether you were going to commit. You were unsure whether you were going to commit to the what bike challenge, but not only did you commit to the what bike challenge, you tripled down on the agreement and you turned your life around. I have, James. I have. You've um, added 20 years, I reckon, on your life. I don't want to live that long, I don't think, to be fair. But no, uh, listen, it's a few things, really. So it started out, I say it every year. You know, you talk about New Year's resolutions, got to get under 100 kilos and all this stuff. Got to the end of the season, and I'd been on the piss a lot. And you know my personality. I'm all in. Indulgent. Yeah. I'm all in. <laughs> Whatever I do, I am 110% in it, or I'm all out. It's like one of those things. So I can't do things half-heartedly. You're getting on the piss... Like, we're six o'clock in the morning, Chief. Or we don't go out. And that's me. So you get on with your training, you're all in, and you commit to absolutely everything. And there's a couple of things. So, Jim, throughout this whole process of getting to season eight of the rugby pod, which, uh, you know, it's great to be back, and we love doing what we do, has called me fat, bold, and arrogant for many a year. The classic Englishman, you say, right, James? Stereotypical Englishman, yeah. yeah. Stereotypical Englishman, fat, bold, and arrogant. Well... I'm not bold anymore. I've got my hair done. And that is the only money that I've thrown at something. And I, I didn't even throw money at it. I'm an ambassador. But you know what I mean? I can't change being arrogant. I'm not even arrogant. I'm just honest, I call it. But then I thought I've got to get rid of fat. And the turning point was Bella, one of my twins. We were playing. You were playing mummy and daddies. And she said, have you got a baby in your belly? Well, no. <laughs> we, were, we were playing around about eight weeks ago. And she's jumping on me and they've got this thing, Daddy, let's play beat up. So I lie on the floor, they try and knee drop me and because I've got loads of padding, nothing hurts, right? And they're trying as hard as they can to knee drop me in the back, in the belly and all this stuff. And then we were just sat there and the twins are identical but also very different at times. And Bella's quite a huggy, needs some attention, loves a cuddle, whereas Olivia's quite cold and just gets on with her own stuff. And she's sat on my lap, Bella is, and she's having a cuddle. And she just started prodding my belly. She goes, Daddy, your tummy is so big. And I'm like, oh, oh, that really hurts. It's the first time she's ever said anything about it. And she kept prodding it. And I'm like, kids are honest, aren't they? Like, they've got no filter, kids. They're honest. And I thought at that point, when your five-year-old daughter is telling you that your belly's too big, it's not what Jim Hamilton says. It is what Jim Hamilton says. But No, I just said you can't see your toes. That's... <laughs> exactly. So I went full, full noise with it. Fully committed to the Watt bike. On top of that, I've gone above and beyond what Gilly asked me to do. And I've got a PT as well. Full circle fitness, big Mike, down in Cookham. He got in touch. He's like, I can help you out a bit as well. And I've been doing two PT sessions a week. Here we are. Two and a half stone, 16 kilos, 16.6 kilos to be precise. Lighter. And there's still work to do, lads. I'm not oh, stopping still here. Work I'm not to stopping do. here. I genuinely think you need to slow down a little bit because he did ring me once... 
the momentum was gathering. And anyone who's been through a weight loss thing, not that I've had to, but when you lose weight, it carries and carries and carries and keeps going. You kind of trigger something where at the beginning you lose loads of weight and then it kind of plateaus. Yeah. Yours went very quickly at the start. And he ring- I don't know why you ring me and you threw out, what do I do with the loose skin? <laughs> and again, that's another elephant in the room. There's a, a bit of loose skin. And he's asking the wrong person. But well, you, you lost it so quick. Yeah. Just graft, mate. 1,500 calories a day. So on the 1,500 calories, yeah. what kind of calories were you consuming? Did you, st- like, because you've, got, oh, you've went, got a bit of a sweet tooth and a savoury tooth. Yeah, no. And I'm, a black tooth. Sweet, sweet tooth is the worst thing for me. So I'd be diving into the crisp packet cupboard, the, getting the chocolates out. And before I knew it, you don't even think about it. Like, the amount of dinners I drive to and all that stuff, I'm, I'm doing a pack of chocolate buttons on the way there and a pack of eclairs on the way back like three hours in the car lads you've got to eat but you're eating the wrong stuff so a lot of it's education and mike down at full circle fitness cookham has educated me around just trade up all the sweet shit for a protein bar and we found a really good protein bar that tastes in my mind i've convinced my mind that it tastes like a star bar which is one of my favorites and it's just understanding what you put in your body. And I don't want to sound like, oh, one of those nauseas, count your calories. But I had to do it for a long period of time or six weeks to make a big shift. And genuinely, we're sat in studio. I've been touched by, I've had hundreds and hundreds of messages from people saying, you're inspiring me to get off my ass and do stuff, making a difference to your own life. And some people went really deep and like, you're doing this for your kids. It's amazing to see. I'm doing it to stay alive for myself, first and foremost, but that helps my kids because they stay daddies around a bit longer. But yeah, so calories, you know, just it's mindset. It's protein shake for breakfast, Jim, not for almond croissants from Waitrose, which are delicious. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, you know, you find a way with a sweet tooth still of, I'll give myself a treat probably four nights out of seven at home. And what is that treat? Some Mars bar ice cream at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Okay, good Good choice. 152 calories. What are the numbers, the weight loss numbers? Kilos or stone? Start with kilos so I know what you're talking about. Okay, we'll go kilos. Uh, So at your highest, Yeah. and I think recently you were at your highest, you were looking, Uh, you were were popping out your suit. Highest I've ever been. That trophy carry for the Champions Cup final when I was worried about my belly popping out, so don't (laughs) lift the trophy too high. So what were you? The highest I saw on my scales in my bathroom was 118.8 kilos. And that's the highest you've ever been? Highest I've ever been. Okay. I mean, that's heavier than Jonah Lomu. Yeah, don't say that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't very tall, though, was he? And now, after holiday? Uh, 102.4. So you've, I mean, which is a, you, you look like a comfortable weight. Yeah. It, it, I'm going to go down more, though, James. Look at you. Are you still vaping or not? Yes. You are? Okay. <laughs> well, you need some... Sweet tooth, right? Guilty pleasures. Yeah. yeah. Good on you. Genuinely, mate, I'm saying this wholeheartedly and honestly. Thank you, James. I don't know how long it will carry on, and that's up to you. You're not going to balloon up for the World Cup? No. Why did you pause just slightly? Well, because well, there's a lot of Asahi and things to be drank at the World Cup, right? But it's it's about understanding. So, like back in the day when we're doing all our shows, when we've gone away, you take gym kit, right? And you'll go and do a session. And I'm like, can't be asked to do that. I'd rather stay in bed and cure the hangover. But maybe I'm going to turn into Jim Hamilton, the smoke bomber, mm. and leave at midnight instead of 6am. Well, maybe. Two, two o'clock. I said maybe. You say yeah. midnight. It, it's generally two. I'm a bit of a lad. Yeah. But it is a lifestyle change. And I know over the World Cup, we're going to be doing loads of events. You're going to have to drink more. And it's been, it's not been easy, but I haven't had many distractions over the last six weeks. We've been on a break with the pod. We haven't had any live shows. I've done a couple of dinners, but it's naturally end of the season. You know, we had a holiday last week in Portugal. So there's a bit of a end goal of trying to look a bit slimmer for the holiday. And then it became a bit of an obsession. How low can I get my weight? Uh, the lowest I saw was 101.6. So I've put on just under a kilo on holiday, which is fine, 2.2 pounds. And I'll get that off me again this week. Back on the Watt bike. Back to doing a couple of PT sessions a week. And uh, boy. I did six gym sessions on holiday. I thought, what's wrong with me? Oh my God. I even bantered Andy Farrell. Faz, big Faz was on holiday in the same hotel. Saw him at breakfast a few times. I'm like, Faz, thought I'd see you in the gym this morning. No. Uh, no, just me. Well, if you are one of those people that's been inspired by Goody and you want to get on the Watt Bike, Watt Bike have kindly given us a rugby pod discount code and you get 250 quid off. So get on that. The code is rugby pod. Jim, you've had a cosmetic change as well, haven't you? 
Let's see it. What do you mean? I'm proud of you. Oh, recently, cosmetic. Yes. Oh, you're saying tattoos are cosmetic? Is that the route you're going down? Effectively, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were poor. I thought you were looking at something else. Like I've had Botox or... Uh, what, what, else. Have you, what else have you had? No, have you no. had anything, you, James? No, just nothing I at all. Honoured the bet with. So over the last six Big months, Mike you've Hansen. had no other surgeries except for no other surgeries. Okay, at all. so I need one. I think he's a liar. I need one. <laughs> so no Botox. No Botox. No. Ever. I'm going to age gracefully like Brad Pitt. So you've stopped doing Botox. Stop doing Botox. I'd never do Botox. I'm not going to inject stuff into. I've had Botox. My face. I've, have you? I'm sure you have. Not in the face though. What do you mean? I had it in my knee. Oh, in the knee, yeah. Mm. All no, right. Genuinely, yeah. had it in my knee. Well, your knee was looking old. What are you talking about? No, I had it in my knee to come out of retirement to play for Newcastle. Did I tell you about that story? When I saved Newcastle from relegation, no. There you go. I've not had Botox. No. No, but I have honoured the bet. Which I didn't think you'd do. I was definitely going to do it. It was finding time yeah. to do it. And we had a, a shot window of doing it. And look, not that it was transactional. And I got paid by Red Bull or B. I did to go over there and see Matt Hansen and do an activation, but it just kind of accelerated the process. So I honoured the bet. Can we have a look? So on the inside of the arm, Big Mac. And he did this? No, he made to look like it. Of course he's not done it. He did it a little bit. He put the So, so what's the, the mud? The mud is a moustache. Get it? Because he's got a moustache. Uh, so I just wanted to edge it up a little bit. So Big Mac. There you go. Yeah. Um, Beck wasn't too happy. I was going to say. When what? I got home. She doesn't really know what I do. Like She knows that I'm busy. And I'm like, oh, I'm heading to Shannon doing an activation, I'm getting the tattoo. And because we've got the four kids, it's so busy at home. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And then... She just wants to know when you're back. I rock back and she's like, well, show me then. And she's just literally shaking her head. <laughs> it's not the first time she's shaking her head. I know. I was like, there's not a lot you can do about it now. Mm. But I honoured the bet, seeing Big Mac in Shannon. Always a great place. Yeah. You forget, actually, how good it was. Have a so, night out. A great night out. But big shout out to Galway Tattoos. Great spot. Do you have a night out? No, in and out. All no. business. Did you feel like a Red Bull athlete? Uh, no, I don't, know. But Big Mac Hansen represents Red Bull well, doesn't he? You know, Jack Knoll as well. Yeah. Like, fits the brand. Did you do any extreme activities when you are in Aspen? We should, like, here, because obviously Jim and I, we've had, what we had, eight weeks off mm. from the pod? Needed it. And then after a week, I missed it. Yeah. Mondays didn't feel great, to be honest. Mm. I was on a walk bike instead of doing the bloody podcast. But we're in touch a lot, right? And you were buzzing for this holiday to Aspen. It was amazing, Andrew. And all I can think of is whenever Jim goes on holiday, what does he always complain about? The flight. Yeah, the travel. So I'm like, Jim. I hate travelling. Tell me how you get in there. And he's laid it all out to me from Edinburgh all the way to Aspen and seeing the pictures. And I'm obviously looking at it. You send me stuff. It looked absolutely amazing. It was unreal. Can we keep it positive and then we yeah, can do yeah, the negative? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep Colorado... It as a state was unbelievable. Everything you kind of hope for, everything that you see on social media, the good life, it was exactly that. Safe, sun was out, didn't rain, the mountains, class. Absolutely loved it. Rodeos. Rodeos. Yeah, Did you give some yeehaws? Did you we give gave some... a little bit of yeehaws and stuff like that. Just... Got the kids out into the Did you the buy any rodeo gear? Like, did you buy a cowboy hat or something? You got the boots. You, you got the boots, haven't you? Bet got the boots. <laughs> got a belt buckle? <laughs> of course she Bet did. got the boots. So I bought a, a buckle. They're still on. And, yeah. <laughs> Bet, leave your boots on. <laughs> but I'm going to bed, Jim. Yeah, leave them on. I was going to buy a cowboy hat, and I went into the shop, and it looked fucking unreal. They wanted, like, two grand for it. It was made out of beaver fur, and I just thought, as good as it looks, like, I'm really going to wear... A cowboy hat. I think you'd look amazing. Walking through France with my high World heels Cup on, with, with, with a cowboy hat on, <laughs> cowboy boots on. I and am a so, I am so uncowboy. I'd love to be a cowboy, but America was amazing. Music, sun, a lot of love. Best holiday we've ever had. Yeah, and really interesting actually. Being in Aspen, Aspen. Ski resort, outdoor resort. Met Lance Armstrong. Weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Just, yeah. Through my mate Chip. I'm going to give my mate Chip a big shout out. He's the copper of the Aspen town. He's like the sheriff. We're going to call him the sheriff. So it sounds so much cooler. Amazing bloke. Connected with him. Went for some hikes up the mountains and stuff there. Rugby man. So, big rugby fan. Played rugby. On the way, like, so you, you're thinking, right, I'm in America, NFL, NBA, which it is, all of these mm. things. Driving from Denver to Aspen, saw two rugby pitches, get into Aspen, walking around the first day we get there. There's two rugby pitches in the centre of the town, like in Aspen. Amazing. Bizarre. 
And you saw Big Jim's in town. I know. I went to watch a training session just in the shadows, like Andy. You know, like Andy Farrell. That's what he would do, wouldn't he? Just be, you know, not putting himself out there. But yeah, there's a bit of history in Aspen with rugby. Big shout out to Chip. He showed me around. Showed me the haunts to hang out. Well, Chip, I'm keen for skiing. We could do it. Yeah. We, we could make it happen. Yeah. I'm going to go back in the winter and do a bit of skiing, but it was unbelievable. You did look like you had an amazing time as a family. And it's nice. It is hard, don't get me wrong, to spend a lot of time with that many kids on holiday without the escape. Because I know what Jim's like. He's like, I just need to go for a walk or I need to I need to be working. I can sit still for days on end. You can't, can I you? I cannot sit still. And that's why going somewhere like that actually works. Yeah. Because I could say to Becca, oh, I'm going out for a run. She's like, you've not run in four years. Well... You know what I mean? Call it a walk. A brisk then. walk. Lance Armstrong. How did that come? Like, what was he like? Like, you met him in person. Fellow podcaster. Really? Fellow podcaster. You asking him about the doping? Well, they were watching the Tour de France. I was like, what are their times like compared to the ones back in the day? And no one was answering. I was like, well, are they quicker? Are they slower? It's like the talking of elephant in the rooms. Well, it was one of them things. So George Hancampe, who was his right hand man when all this was happening, lovely, really engaging bloke. But it is very, like, you're in an environment like the studio. They do their own podcast called The Move. There is that underlying thing, isn't there? Like, always. But they're all at it. Well, I know they're all at the it, cyclists. yeah. But that was his thing. But the whole thing around Lance Armstrong was the fact that he was in complete denial about it. He literally went full noise, was calling out journos and stuff like that. Like, it is what it is. But really interesting bloke, as you can imagine, even without the doping, one of the greatest athletes, and people will hate that of a generation, you know, and what he did and stuff like that. But it was, no, it was interesting. Yeah, well, there wasn't nothing more in it than just a shake of a hand, checked out the studio, fellow podcaster, et cetera, et cetera. Is he a listener? That's all we need to know. 100% listens. There you go. Yeah, Lance, big shout out to you, mate. He listens to the, big, George. the big Jim Show. Hello, the Big Jim Show. Would you like to come on and talk about rugby? Does he listen to the Andy Rowe Show? Talking to the Andy Rowe Show, mate, that's... Been gathering momentum as well. It's not all about me and Goody. All smoke and mirrors, mate. All smoke and mirrors. Yeah. You had a live show. Yeah, had four live shows. Well, we've had two live shows. How many? What was the the outcome? Of oh, there was there was a couple of people. Audience, there. a couple great. of people. Thank you, thank you to the listener who turned up. The missus and yeah. her friend and the hosts that were with me. Yeah, yeah, they were they're quite small, intimate affairs. Still got one more show if anyone wants to come along. There we go, mate. You should promo it on here. Yeah, without doubt. I should. Right, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to hit us with the negatives. From yeah. The oh, yeah, let's get negative. Yeah, kids because... were spewing on the way home again. I don't know. I don't know what it was. JJ was playing basketball. Like, with, like, how have they got a sickness bug on the way home? I've got my headphones on. I've had 20 minutes sleep through the night. I don't sleep well on a plane. Watching Yellowstone. You're not put the seat flat. No, Andrew, I don't. I don't want the kids to see business first class. They need to earn the right. Okay. We're going mongrel, albeit next time I'm putting the seat flat. Hopefully we won't get a tap on the shoulder from Beck, who's got a black bin bag. And both the <laughs> girls are at the backs filling up the black bin bag. And I'm in just complete denial like I'm asleep. They're not my kids. No, she takes a black bin bag. No, 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 no. The air hostess said, here's a black bin bag. Because the girls look like they're about to be sick. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So there was a bit of a sickness bug flying about. But look, that's it. When you've got kids, when there's six of you, I get the sick anxiety as well. Like when the kids are sick, I'm like, hang on, do I feel a bit, I feel a bit off. I'm such a, I'm <laughs> such a wuss. Same. It's so bad. Yeah. What, there's a sickness bug at home. Oh, I got I it. I feel a bit off. <laughs> you ain't got it. This man next to me, you are bulletproof. Yes. When you had COVID, like never had zero. COVID, never well, had COVID. Was it. You had COVID. <laughs> zero Sorry, zero flinching. I'm at home with COVID. I've got the swab in my nose every four hours and I'm smell, trying to see if I can smell the coffee. Andrew. <laughs> two fucks. No bother. But how good is it being back, eh? Yeah, and you were straight into the rugby. Straight into the rugby. At the weekend, yeah. You say that, it's, yeah, I feel a, it was you, all right. You've gone all cool, haven't you? Why? Like, fashion. Yeah. T-shirt and blazer. Yes, I have. Beck dress you? No, that it's, uh, that's me. Beck was dressing me before. Yeah. Like, as in what you see now <laughs> is me. Oh, no, go back to Beck. She, oh, you need to get a shirt on, you need to get a blazer. Is that what she's saying, shirt? School colour. Well, she, yeah, old school. Dad sells caravans, you know, like it's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's not that. That isn't me. You've gone, you've gone edgy. You've gone t-shirt. No, I've got me. That's that's me. I don't yeah. wear shirts. You know. You know that t-shirt and blazer. I'm like, there he goes. Okay, black jeans. I'll die in my jeans. Black jeans. I mean, belt yeah. buckle. Belt buckle out, looking out. And what's yeah. the? Are you wearing a necklace now? What is it? It's, a, it's a Alexander McQueen. It's been in the drawer for a while. There you go. Feel more comfortable. 
taking it. He's out. evolving, this man, isn't he? This is just, this is me. What you see now is me, and I'm comfortable as me. So I was on TV at the weekend. They were like, "You need suits." I filled in for John Barkley. I was like, "Right, I'm just going full rogue, full me, for Prime Video." And it was the big one. It was Scotland versus Italy. It was all about the seagulls. That's how good the game was. That we were really? talking about the seagulls with the great Andrew Cotter on comms, which. When you look at rugby now, and th this could be the worry, I don't really know. I mean, seeing Alan Alatoa rupture his Achilles against the All Blacks at the weekend, you're thinking collateral damage that teams are going to go through. But the level that the teams playing the championship are at to the level that was out there at Murrayfield on Saturday is worlds apart. And my hope is, and it will be, because Scotland go on to play France a couple of times and then Georgia as well, I think that the momentum will gather into that first game against South Africa. But I don't want to be horrible, but the facts of it are the game was very poor at the weekend. 13 handling errors and 19 turnovers from Scotland. Weather was poor, but I, I would say Italy played better. So Italy have got a load of young lads coming through. Everyone's talking about Italy. Uh, how bad Kieran Crowley as well. He's, mm. he's not being kept on after the World Cup. Yeah, Loads of talking points to go through. But yeah, loads of handling errors. Obviously, both teams are not going to be the teams that will be first choice during the World Cup. But Ben Healy started at 10, player of the match. What about the 50-22? 50-22. Spiral. spiral. Yeah, was unreal. No um, one does that anymore. It's such a hard skill now. What a nudge. Massive boot on him. Yeah. I didn't know. Like I kept saying, oh, the lads need to showcase their super skills in order to break into the team. I mean, Finrush was going to start at 10, right? But we want to see Ben Healy, now that Hoggy's retired... Blair Kinghorn will go in at 15, who can cover 10 as well. But Ben Healy, potentially, you're thinking him or Adam Hastings for the 10th Finn, which could happen. Finn could get injured. Massive boot on him. Yeah. And that was the one thing that came out of the game, really. Rory Darge at 23 as captain, who is an amazing player. Didn't play that well at the weekend. Zuliani, the 7 for Italy, was phenomenal as well. So that was it. I mean, there's not a lot really to talk about. Poor game, loads of handling errors, rained on and off. I was doing it with the great Andrew Cotter and Rory Lawson. They were great. And that's me now until the World Cup. Corporate James is very busy though, isn't he, with World Rugby? Yes, I am. Enjoying it. I'm and the big it. gym show. So yeah. don't think you're not out no, there because you were out there. You know what I mean? Gym. In terms of like commentating at the yeah. weekend. He didn't do a Sonny Bill. Oh yeah, just want to get back to the game, eh? And, uh, that was bad. They're talking about Ala Alatoa's injury oh, and he's yeah. like, oh, it's just 60-40 possession here. What? <laughs> what? Go into a bit more detail about that because we can talk about the championship game. So we're watching it on TV. Bledisloe Cup, absolutely love it. Carnage. Alan Alatoa goes down in the scrub. You're thinking, is it his knee? You very rarely hear of an Achilles being snapped. He's getting stretched off and all the commentators are like, well, you clearly doesn't look good. Probably going to be out of the World Cup. He's currently captain of the Wallabies. Sonny Bill, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I just want to talk about the uh, possession. Just get back to the game. 60-40 position. The, the for... bloke's getting fucking stretched off. The poor lad. I mean, should we go back to that Scotland game? Yeah. You, your boy got two tries. Darcy Graham. Darcy Graham. Yeah, Darcy Graham. So the big talking points out of Scotland at the minute are Stuart Hogg. Why is he retired? Well, there are a number of rumours out there, which I don't know much about. I just know that he was on one leg. I think there could be a number of things in the mix, but... Ultimately, if we go based on the facts of what we know, he just didn't want to go. Like He just didn't feel right, whether or not... He couldn't do what he wanted to do as a yeah. player because you know you're getting judged on how you perform and no one actually knows how hard it is to get to that level. And you're just judging Hoggy on... We've seen Hoggy for years, been an unbelievable player. A lot of miles on the clock yeah. as well. Yeah, especially in that fullback position where you're relying on wheels, you, you've got to run. You've got to make breaks, and if you if you can't run to where he feels, he can step and goose and all that stuff. Like we've seen the the classic Stuart Hogg, who's been a worldie of a player. I get it, but it's just the way the news came out. You're like, oh, wanting to see him have a swan song at the World Cup, but maybe he knows you're not getting out of the group, and he thought, what's, what's the point? It, it makes you think there could be something there. And look, it's not for me to say. I just hope that he's okay. You know, Hoggy has been one of the greatest players we've seen for Scotland. Lovely bloke, salt of the earth, from the borders, and 100 caps for Scotland, three British and Irish Lions tours. I mean, when you look at the career like that, quite unbelievable. Greatest Scott ever? I'd, I'd say. I'd, yeah. say, I'd say he'd definitely really? be up there. With the, it was the modern era. I think the game's so different now, isn't it? Like The most famous Scott would be Gavin Hastings still, 
Finn Russell now, but I think based on rugby now, like you'd have to put him up there for yeah. sure. Like one of the most exciting players for sure. I just hope that he's okay. I mean, it's an, it is early. I know he's got a lot of miles on the clock, but still an early age to retire. And there's loads of rumours around personal stuff out there in the public domain. I'm happy to say that because people listen to this. You know, it's I don't know much about, nor do I want to know. I just hope with Hoggy, as a young man, wears his heart on his sleeve and the way that he played the game, which was all hysteria, the the emotion around it, that he's okay in retirement. Because it's not easy. It's no. not easy at any point. But to go out the way that he's gone out just before a World Cup, the floodlights aren't on, the fans are hysteria. At the weekend, he was posting pictures of the horse. So he's clearly getting away from rugby for a bit. And that's probably the right decision. Is it the end of Stuart Hogg? I don't know. I reckon he'll come back I don't play. know. I don't know. I, I, he's 31 deal in Japan yeah I just don't know I could be completely wrong he's not said anything to me I've not asked any questions but he's got the gig with TNT Sports next year he has, so yeah, he'll enjoy so maybe not but big shout out to Hoggy yeah. lovely bloke I do like spending time with him mm. great bloke you mentioned Darcy Graham before how good is it to see him back playing for Scotland unbelievable needed as well yeah as in with Hoggy retiring like getting him back I know he's a winger as opposed to a Hoggy's a fullback kind of thing, but you, he was stardust player for him, wasn't he? Yeah, when he was fit, and he's obviously been out for a long time, and now he's back, and he is a superstar for Scotland. You know, when you're looking out to the wide channels, and you know you've got Finn at ten, then you've got other players in the centres, Tuipulot and all this stuff. You've got finishers on the wing, and he is an out and out finisher, and brings a lot of stardust. It's, I think it's great to see him back. Obviously, you know, perfect timing with the World Cup just coming up, and you ask him, he'll be there. I want to score tries. You know, and he got two at the weekend. He's a wonderful finisher and great to see him back. Rory Dodge, young skipper. Young skipper, massive future. Who is going to be skips though? Jamie Rich will be skipper. Definitely. And it'll be a straight shootout between Rory Dodge and Hamish Watson for he's, the seven jersey. And that's what I thought then. By making Rory Dodge captain, and you can we're all trying to read into squads and make of everything, it will change horses for courses, all that stuff. But is that the fact that they made him captain, is it we're going to go with Hamish Watson? But yeah, is skips. Nah. Or is it you're going to be picked ahead of Hamish Watson? So this is why he skips. Maybe like Hamish, you think the British and Irish Lions tour in the lead up to that was one of the best sevens in the world. Yep. Again, a lot of miles on the clock, a few injuries and stuff to get through. But he's a quality player. Like I think Hamish will, at right now, probably have the number seven jersey. Roy Dodge, 23 years old, born leader, and all this wasn't amazing against Italy. But in the games that he's played and before he picked up a nasty injury when he was in the jackal, did everything in his ankle, needed surgery, but blew onto the scene. I think he got man of the match against Ireland and he's one of his first games. He blew onto the scene. He blew onto the scene. Like this. Uh, Wicked player. Bit odd to see Kieran Crowley go. Looked like he'd been making some good progress with Italy. Second highest percentage win of any Italian coach. Not that that means anything. And there's a few things in this. Like, one is a top bloke. Not that that matters anything. Great with the media. Not that that matters. I think it does matter. Well, it matters to us. Yeah. But it's about how But it matters to a lot of people. Yeah, but it doesn't matter in terms of Italian making decisions on a coach or not. No, I know what you mean. But if you're head of Italian rugby or... You're seeing huge progress, I think. And you have seen huge progress. Okay. You know, some of the results haven't got there. Beat Wales last year. and Australia. Yeah, the 20s that are coming through yeah. are battering teams. That's what I said. And so Kieran Crowley's overseen all of this. And there is a real belief now. Like, before, you're thinking, oh, Italy, the big scrum, they're going to get done by 40-odd points. Now, genuinely, you're seeing massive improvement in how they play. Some of the superstars that are coming through. You know, we've had Garbisi on here. Capuzzo is... You know, a superstar. He's on earth all these lot. Yeah, you've got players. Marco Riccioni. Yeah. You've got Mikel Lamara, who he's made captain, Seb Negri. And the whole thing around it, it's funny, isn't it? Because the All Blacks have done it as well. Fozzie's not staying on after the World Cup. Razor's got the job. And Italy have done the same. I feel for Kieran Crowley because he's done a wonderful job, I think, throughout different levels of Italian rugby as well. Obviously, with Treviso and all that stuff, we had him on, didn't we? And chatting away and, you know, an Italy head coach. I, I, it's harsh, but... You best be good, Gonzalo. Yeah, I think it is harsh. Tough Paul as well. Got the All Blacks and France in their group. Yeah, you ain't coming out of that. Nah, could beat France. But any coach in the world ain't coming out of that. Could beat France. England's named about 10 different squads since we last were on air. I guess the big 
talking point for them at the moment, Zach Mercer. Mm. What's going on there? He was like the top 14 player of the year, wasn't he? He must be too good. I don't know. I've got a bit of a beef with this, and I've had a bit of a beef with Borthers for a while. You guys have got beef? No, no, not, no, no, Julius not Julius beef with Ed. No, it's just, my, it's just my beef in my head, right? And it, there's, there is a bit of beef. So Borthers is head coach at Leicester. Borthers was my captain for England, and he was, Jim played against him loads of times. You know, you got signed at Saracens because they thought they were getting a like-for-like. Like. Leader. <laughs> when he retired. He's one of the most studious players and now coaches ever. Zero personality. And I'm not trying to be offensive here, but it's not a strength of his, right? And I got in touch with him a few times when he was head coach at Leicester. We were trying to get lads on the podcast. He was putting a blocker to it. Wouldn't let Leicester lads come on any podcasts. Controlling them. He's a bit of a control freak. You know, the fact that he stabbed my mate Jordan Murphy in the back to get him out of the club as well. But yeah, I hold a bit of a grudge against it. But he won the Prem for Leicester won it in a way of it wasn't that attractive rugby but it doesn't matter you've got the trophy you've got the medal and my big thing now is you're looking at England cricket okay and we haven't won the Ashes but look at the there's zero engagement I think and I speak to loads of England rugby fans and they feel so far distant from the England team the whole Eddie Jones thing and then Steve Borthwick is a prodigy of Eddie Jones so he worked for Eddie Jones he's that mould but he hasn't got the charisma that Eddie Jones has got, even though Eddie Jones is at the other end of the spectrum in terms of the garbage that he comes out. How is the New Zealand economy, by the way? Oh, my God. I do like Eddie Jones. Yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. But like the engagement with England cricket, the team and the fans, is the greatest it's ever been because of the players, the characters, how they play, Brendan McCullum, everything that comes across. And I think England rugby are going completely the opposite direction. And the engagement with... And people are like, I want to find it hard to... Support England at the World Cup because of how everything's set up, how we play, like how Steve is in the press. We don't get to hear much about the players. They're not allowed to do stuff. He's a control freak, right? And you look at how England and what they've done, and I might be proved completely wrong, and I hope I am proved wrong because we'll get to a quarterfinal or a semi-final, I think, because we're on the easy half of the draw and we've debated this for a long time about how the draw's been done. We ain't winning the World Cup unless we take risks. And take risks is... Steve Borthwick changing the way he's always coached and led a team and set a team up, right? We saw nothing in the Six Nations different to what we saw under Eddie Jones, did we? Same thing, kicking it, kicking it, kicking it. And the results were still the same. Where do we finish? Fourth? Don't look at me. I just know that Scotland finished above you. Yeah, and I can't remember. It was that bad. We've all parked the memory of it. But you look at the best teams in the world now. The Springboks have got the way they play and they're bloody good at it. So we ain't beating them by going toe-to-toe with them on a power game, kicking game. So you've got to look at different ways of skin the cat, even though you can't skin a cat these days. All Blacks play the way they play. France, Ireland, you know, I've just been on holiday with Faz, not with him, but in the same hotel. Met Dan Sheehan when I was out there as well. And I'm looking at that environment and I'm looking at how Faz is. I'm talking to him about what they're doing over the World Cup and you just see engagement and connection and, and, you know, I just don't see that with England. It's, let's work hard and we're going to get better week on week. There's nothing for England fans to get excited about, especially when you've got Zach Mercer, who's made a play to come back from France, probably on less money to play for Gloucester. He wants to play for England, and he is an unbelievable player. And we've struggled at number eight. Billy's injured, but Billy's come back into form. Zach Mercer's got a point of difference. It's same old, same old, and we're just going to end up in the same thing. We'll get to a semi-final or a quarter-final. We'll probably lose. And Steve will go, Yo, we didn't have much time together as a team and, you know, it's we're building towards the next World Cup, just excuses. So I think he needed to take a risk of we're going to change the way we play and you go to the 10 debate. So Owen Farrell, head and shoulders above any other 10 in England, should start at 10. And I tell you what, you should have Marcus Smith on the bench to change it if you need to, but he won't. He'll have George Ford on the bench, which is basically the same as Owen Farrell, but not anywhere near as good without being too disrespectful because Faz is so good. But... I don't know, I'm just a bit... There's an opportunity in looking at England cricket and how they've connected and how they've played and how McCullum has backed the likes of Crawley and Duckett and these boys just to go and play an exciting brand of cricket. You should have learnt from that. And because England are in the doldrums of how we've played over the last four years and how the feeling with England fans... You know, I'm speaking to travel companies, they're like, sales aren't great for the World Cup because there's no engagement. But you look at the Test cricket... And yeah, it's the Ashes. The Ashes is is the equivalent of the Rugby World Cup. It's the biggest thing in Test cricket. The Rugby World Cup is the biggest thing in Test match rugby. 
I heard George Ford saying something like, we've got the shortest amount of time of any team coming together because of, you know, the change in the coaches and we're all learning and, you know, we're going to do our best. And it's all a bit... Boring. Borthers always has like a game plan that he wants to play, so he picks players to fit that game yeah, plan yeah. rather than picking the best players and yeah. then finding a game plan. But to that's the coach's right. Hopefully I'm completely wrong and I'm surprised and we see a really exciting brand of England rugby play when we get to, you know, these warm-up games, which, are, you know, we play Wales away, then Wales at home, Ireland away, then Fiji at home. And then we've got the big two in our group to start off with. So we've got Argentina, then Japan. It's set up for England to either do something huge by exciting people and changing the way we play and changing the narrative, or it's going to be the excuse thing of, well, we've not had that long together. Razi Erasmus won the World Cup with the same amount of time that Steve Borthwick has had in terms of time with the squad, pretty much. Beggar's belief for me, but that's just my kind of individual beef on it. And Borthers, relax a bit, have fun, let the boys be the boys, don't be a school teacher, which is what I'm hearing the environment's a little bit like, and you won't ever hear the truth about that, but have in your mind, that's what he always says. We need to excite the fans and we ain't winning the World Cup unless we change what we've done over the last three years. And Mate, I think England do well this World Cup. Well, we get to a semi, I you think. Can, well, that's all right, isn't it? I think you get to a semi and then anything and can happen. Because... We get to a semi because we've got an easy side of the group, Yeah, supposedly. I reckon Georgia in the quarterfinal, I think they get out of their group second and England top the pool, Yeah, play Georgia and then... Then it's a one-off. Who's winning that group? Fiji. Why are we horrible? I'll tell you now. That's an exciting group though, that, isn't it? Wales, Australia, Fiji. Tough. Georgia, Portugal. I've got a Portuguese, mate. He's back in them as well. (laughs) (laughs) Back in them what to turn up on the pitch. (laughs) Well, It's good to see them back. They're in there in 2007. I think England do better. Every World Cup, they do, I say every, apart from 2015, sorry. 2007 finalists, 2019 finalists. And I reckon the game plan, as boring as it is, takes you to the semis, it's a shootout. Would you be excited if you're an England fan right no, now? No, I'm, I'm not hugely excited across any of the I am. Look how good nations. you are, home nations. I was going to say. But Ireland. I, well, yeah, Ireland France. as well. But Ireland have got a tough side of the pool, haven't they? Yeah. And then France. Uh, I'm excited about France, but it's they're a bit of an anomaly, aren't they? They don't speak... Well, can't speak English. Not that, not that that means I don't like them. <laughs> you don't like them because they don't speak well, English. I, I'm drawn to the Southern Hemisphere You don't like them because of what happened to you at Montpellier. I know, very true. I'm drawn Le to the Grand Southern Poulet. Hemisphere. Oh, he is Le Grand Poulet. <laughs> I am drawn to the Southern Hemisphere teams. I don't know whether because the championship is so good at the minute. Yeah. And because World Cup, you think New Zealand, you think South Africa. And I'm a fan of Eddie Jones. I, I, I love... Oh, I mean, he's the engaging. He gives us the content we need. He's engaging with his drivel that he comes out with, but... He's passed his sell-by date as a coach. I don't think he's won a game for about five years, has he? Well, we'll be at Twickenham for England's warm-up game with Wales. And congratulations to Harry Hewson, who won our online competition to join us. And you can join us for a three-course menu live show, post-match Twickenham tea and an all-inclusive bar. Get 10% off to join us for the live show for either of the summer series, both Wales and Fiji, with the code POD10. Book online via twickenhamstadium.com forward slash hospitality. We're also going to be following England and Wales in France on the World Cup Infinity Cruise. The good news is you can join us. Prices start from £999 per person for three nights all-inclusive with official match tickets, flights, food and drink and all amenities on board as well. We'll be doing a live show on board on Friday the 15th of September so it will be a loose, loose few days. And listeners to the Rugby Pod can join us and also get 10% off by using the code TRP10 when booking via phone or sending an inquiry via email. For more details, just visit infinitysportstravel.com TRP. Well, the big news coming out of Ireland was Sexgate. Johnny Sexton after having... Sexgate? What, sex? Sexgate? Right, isn't it? Who have you had sex with recently? No one. (laughs) No one. (laughs) My wife. (laughs) Cowboy boots is the way forward. That triggers... Really? A whole new... Yeah, anyway. uh, Take your belt back or off. Put it back on. Take your boots off. Take your socks off. Put your boots back on. (laughs) Sexton out of the World Cup warm-up games because of having a go at Piper. Dream scenario for him. Yeah, I spoke to Faz about it on holiday. I don't know whether I mentioned it. We had breakfast together. The Conrad in Kinsalago is a brilliant hotel. And there's a quiet pool at the top, which a lot of the adults stay at. Adults only couples. And then down the bottom, there's a, a pool where it's a family it's pool. It's carnage, basically. Well, no, it wasn't too bad, actually. It's a great place. But Faz stayed up at the... The King's Palace. Yeah, where it was all adults. And I did have a quick look. 
I gave him a little nod, a little belly on him. No. I was like, get oh, in there first. Hang on. Andy Goode is saying that Andy Farrell has got a bit of a belly on him. <laughs> Calling out Hang on. No, I wasn't caught. I was just thought, I, mean? I thought to myself, and I thought, yes, he, he's as enjoying what, his life. As in what? As in pot belly, yeah, beer little, belly? Just a little. Maybe he's had a couple of beers. He's, and he's I saw, a northern, isn't he? He's, yeah. on the, he's on the tinnies. He's, uh, he's a great bloke, Faz, actually. Met his wife as well, and we, had a, we were having a few good chats. And I saw Dan Sheehan one night at dinner. Same hotel? Well, this is the thing. So... Ireland go out to Quinta de Lago a lot to train and they stay at a, a place down the road. And I saw Dan Sheehan, he's like, where are you staying? I said, I'll let the comrade. I said, Faz is there. And Dan Sheehan's like, look, he must be getting paid too much money if he's staying there all the time. I messaged him, I said, I can get a picture of his little belly if you need some ammunition. And he went, no, I'll just get me a down and train hard. So <laughs> I was chatting to Faz about the whole thing with Sexton and Faz was saying he's got a great bunch. And every coach is going to say it. He said, there's not a bad person in there. Yeah, they all get on well. It's a great environment to be in. And we've spoken to a lot of Irish players around. They love it. They love it. And what it was like under Joe Schmidt before and how they used to hate going to the team hotel and that fear of dread. They all go there buzzing now. And they are you know, the best team in the world. I said to Faz, I said, mate, I said to Dan Sheehan, number one team in the world, head coach of that, you can name your price. And he's like, no, no, it's just about trying to win a World Cup and numbers don't matter that we're number one in the world and all this stuff. But I think the band's about right because it doesn't look good. He's gone on the pitch and it's you know part of the post-match celebrations and a bit of pointing. But actually, when you read the script and the transcript of what's been said, who hasn't said that as a rugby player? You know, it doesn't look good. But people are like, ban him for the whole World Cup, ban him for life. And, you know... Just ridiculous. He's in the ultimate competitor. And you look at tens across the board, Dan Bigger, Owen Farrell, Johnny Sexton, you know, these sort of guys, Finn to a degree, they're always in the referee's ear. Johnny Sexton's taking it a little bit too far post-match. Because when he, he wasn't weren't playing. playing yeah, why. and he's frustrated. And people are like, oh, you went on the pitch and found him out. I'm like, I was there. Everyone from the squad is on the pitch. It's a final. It's not like he's come down from the stands when a regular game when... Yeah, there's the tunnel, you shake hands and you walk off. It's all the families are on the pitch as well. It's the Champions Cup final. And he's, you know, he said a few things. That, but you see the transcript, it's not that bad. It's trial by social media yeah. as well. That's where the hysteria grew. Yeah. And everyone's talking about Johnny Sexton, how he is. Look at his record. Yeah, we know he chats to refs and talks a lot and all that stuff. Not once has he ever been simbined or red carded or anything like that for any of this. Whereas, you know, we talked before about other players that have done stuff previously and it's on their record. He's got a clean record. So I think three weeks is about right and it's right for Ireland because how much would he have played in those games anyway? Because you have to protect him. Well, that, that's the thing. That's where he is lucky in that sense because yeah. I don't imagine he would have played in the warm-up games. I, play, got, I reckon he'd have played England. He might have. I don't know. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know what kind of nick he's in. You remember the injury, he's got a, a bad injury that he had surgery on. His mm. groin, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think he's got off very lightly but I mean it doesn't massively affect me they've gone they've done their due diligence it took them a while to get to a decision so that's the problem with it though with how long it took to get to that like why are they having a a hearing months down the line as opposed to straight away I was which... going to say a mother's meeting but you can't say that anymore no, can you no. you can't say Faz did say meeting. why is Jim so horrible to Sexton and no I'm alright now yeah Matt, I saw Faz at the final of the Prem, give yeah. me a nod, and you, you get you get the nod like, all right, mate, and then you get the nod like, I've listened to bits of the pod. <laughs> He's listened. Well, he actually said he said it's going well, isn't it? I said, yeah, yeah. But he appreciates it. We'll get him on. Top bloke. Is, he might not want to come on. Tough side of the pool for Ireland. What about how Fez left out Jean Klein and then? He went and played for South Africa. What do you mean? Yeah, my bro. I yeah. am South African. I know. He is South African, Jean Klein, isn't he? And the, his comments after, like he grew up wanting to be the next back is both uh, Victor Matfield, not Paul yeah. O'Connell or Donico Callahan. Yeah. It's honest. I mean, that is an honest, true statement. What and can it's, you say? It's the moment in time. This is professional sport. The emotion and loyalty of that opportunity is the yeah, word. Or, or, yeah, that you take the opportunity. Yeah. Of course, you look at James Lowe, you look at Bundyaki, Ben Healy. Yeah, I mean, the Benson, Gibson Park. Exactly. So we can go through the archives of players. We don't need to do that anymore because it is the modern game. CJ Stander retires. He ain't going to go and live on a farm in Limerick, is he? He's <laughs> gone back to South Africa, bro. So I think Ireland potentially missed a trick. They're a huge fan of Ian Henderson, as am I. How durable Ian Henderson is, we, we need to see. I think that that's the one Achilles heel within him. I thought John Klein, when he initially got capped, was like, mm, not too sure. 
But watching him play, especially last season, he was a standout performer. And seeing RG Snyman come back as well. Yeah, I mean, they are littered with physicality. And But just on that point, fair play to him. He's, I mean, imagine how nice that must be for him and his family. You've gone through that and great, my lad's playing for Ireland, number one team in the world. Or he's South African. That's it. To the bone, to the core. So he's gone back. He's got the opportunity to do that. Fair play to him. Have you guys heard about the Wales camp? Sounds like hell. <laughs> Waterboarding and... The list of retirees, they got the schedule through and went, nah, I'm not up for that. I think Alan Wynne-Jones would have been mad keen to get waterboarding, but... Motivated, or...? Well, I think Gat said, look, mate, you think Hoggy's lost a leg. Alan Wynne, I think you've lost both legs and an arm. You're limping into this tournament, I ain't picking you. Yeah. That's I mean, what he's I gone full noise, hasn't he, in trying to get them to a, a point of... And some of the pictures... The arms on some of the fellas, the, the body fat. Oh, are, Gareth Davis. Yeah. I mean, my ridiculous. word. And the training is, oh, I saw a picture of Lewis Reese Salmon. The quads on him. Mm. Saying that, Scotland players as well. Yeah. Like, I just think there's been a shift in athleticism. It has, James. It starts at Andrew, home. It starts. <laughs> it started here on the podcast and it starts and ends on a Watt bike. But you're right. But with Wales, like the big news out of that was that two of their highest profile players retired like Justin Tipperick was a surprise for me even Big surprise even though the Welsh back row there's quality players within that group but for me Tipperick would have been there or thereabouts I mean the podcast a few months ago we were talking about him as one of the best players in the northern hemisphere mm. and he doesn't go so he's a surprise he's gone under the radar Alan Wynne-Jones for me I think Gatlin makes big decisions yeah when it really matters we saw that with Brian O'Driscoll yeah Back in 2013, the Australia tour where yeah. he dropped him for the third test. The Johnny Sexton leaving him out in 2021, which yeah. in hindsight he said was a bad decision. I think he's had the conversation with Alan Wynne-Jones and said, look, we need to start looking. Or no, we don't need to start looking. We need to look at other players now. You, and you almost hope that Alan Wynne-Jones walked away off his own back. I don't know what well, the conversations were. There's a lot of them that weren't happy with the environment and how... I mean, it's coming out now, but how hard they were being driven. You have to get driven hard, don't get me wrong, it's a World Cup, but you go back to what I said about the Joe Schmidt environment under Ireland. If you don't want it, you don't want it. And if you don't want it and the environment sucks as well, because it's we're at the bottom here, we've got to fight our way up, then it's an easier decision to say, I've had my time, isn't it? Well, on that, Welsh rugby is as toxic as it's ever been, Yeah, just collectively. Alan Wynne-Jones has packed his bags and gone off to Toulon for a swan song, and rightly so, fully deserves it. But I think the whole environment mm. is fucked mm. and toxic, which is a real shame. But they've got to beat Portugal. Hey, but you know what? Again, you talk about history in World Cups. Not that Wales have ever won it, but they love a semi. 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 <laughs> they love a semi. And Gatlin's been there, done it. They're under the radar. Welsh rugby the way that it is. I'm not saying, I, I don't think they get out of their group. You just said they're going to lose to Georgia well, and, and the, Fiji well, and this Portugal is me, but and Australia. You know what? As in, Eddie I've might said win that, a game. I've said that for years yeah. about Wales and they've surprised me yeah. but something's not right now is the time you know what you've been saying for four or five years about Wales how bad they are and then they win stuff and get further than you think mm. you were four years too early slagging the Welsh off because now's the time to say that you know they're no good they're, they're in the dregs it was around the corner it was coming <laughs> you can say I've been saying this for six years I have I have and all for me but something is not right there and it's a shame to see not just in the national team but the clubs as well you guys been following the rugby championship? Yes. I know you have. Yeah, good. I love it. Unreal. I was excited by it when it started, what was it, four weeks ago? Because we were mid-training. And it's exciting to see top quality rugby back. Not so sure about how it's been shown on TV. This side of the world, there's not enough build-up to it. You know, it's a, it's a massive thing, isn't it? You're looking at the teams and you're looking how All Blacks have been under the radar. The whole narrative around Eddie Jones being back in charge of Australia. How's that for you, Eddie? Imagine being Dave Rennie now. The Aussies were going places, I think, under Dave Rennie. They, they had a tough time, loads of injuries. But you look back on their tour, yes, they lost to Italy, but they played the Shags and they could have won it with the last kick of the game. They pushed Ireland, probably should have beaten Ireland, maybe, in Dublin. Could have beaten France in Paris. You got rid of Dave Rennie, loads of injuries. Eddie Jones comes back, riding in on his horse. How are you, Eddie? Sells <laughs> out the MCG, though. We, the MCG, we'll get on to that. That's amazing. But I think that they've brought Eddie in 
to throw a cat amongst the pigeons, which you could do back in the day. You probably can't. I, even do I that think you now. can now, James. You can. Well, throw... a cat might be hungry. It might need to eat a yeah, pigeon. Okay. Well, I don't know what you can and can't do, but all you can and can't say. I get Jim's point. They brought Eddie Jones back. The whole narrative around it. Read what John Connolly said about him, though. <laughs> he's a charlatan, mate. Um, he's got. Loves to be a charlatan. <laughs> yeah. But Eddie Jones, I can say it on here. What's he done for the last three or four years? He's talked a lot in the press. I can't remember the last time. It might have been in Italy. I think that was a bad hit, was it? I think he's passed his sell-by date as a coach. I really do. Get him in a managerial role or something else. But pure coaching, I reckon he's a dinosaur. And he's like, come with us, mate. This is international rugby. Come with us on oh, the journey. I'm coming with you, Eddie. I'm coming with him. Where are we going, mate? <laughs> but how are you, Eddie? You've ta- you should have. You could have taken 60 points against the All Blacks at the weekend. You got smoked by South Africa. You lost to Argentina at home. But he's great value for... He is great value. ...for comments in the press. But also, Eddie, if you're going to give it, you've got to take it. And we, we come on, you know, start of season eight, and we saw him have a pop at that journo who, when he said in the week about we're going back to the, the South Africa game, where he's like, yeah, mate, I wanted South Africa to play their A team. Because they played the B team. And then he got hammered by the B team. And then the bloke was like, it's a fair, fair question, I thought, from the journo. He's like, oh... Are you happy they didn't play there? Oh, don't be a smart-ass, mate. <laughs> <laughs> mate, mate. Smart-ass. He loses his yeah. shit. It's so funny. Yeah, but it's the same. You give it, Eddie. You've got to take it. And What would you, know you say if he was saying that to you? Would you go back at him or Yeah. Not? I'd be like, well, hold on, Eddie. You said it. You can do that, though. You, he can do it in a real cool, like, as in Goody, like you've got your arms folded. If someone comes at me like that, I'm standing up. You're ready to scrap, I know. Yeah. Red mist comes over you. Yeah. I do get the red mist. And fair play to Eddie Jones. He's used his one get-out-of-jail-free card this week because he said that performance against New Zealand, everyone was like, oh, I thought Australia played really well. You play well for 10 minutes at the start, boys, then you got absolutely hosed. And he's put his hand up and said it's all on him as a coach. But he did that with England a few times when he said, oh, it's me about preparing the team and all this stuff. But thank God for Australia that they supposedly got an easier group, even though it's going to be a tough group because of the potential with Fiji and Georgia and all that stuff. But will he come good? Well, I, I key, not, key positions... They've mixed their nine and ten up for the game at the weekend. What a lid on Unbelievable. Gordon. Yeah. For a ten as well. Looks yeah. great. But they've got an issue at ten, clearly. Yeah. So you look at all the teams in the top five, top six. But when Quay Cooper came back in under Dave Rennie, how well did they play? I know. Just but, saying it. But I'm saying right now, you look at it, all the top teams, you could pick their ten or their key positions, you know. Whereas Australia, and this isn't because I haven't seen much of them, albeit I've not seen loads of them. They don't look nailed down in key positions. Like all the other teams have got 10s and 9s battling to get in, yes. whereas Australia is more trying to find a 10. But they've been trying to find a 10 for yes, years. They have. So he's trying to play a game that he thinks suited international rugby, mate. Come on the journey with us. But he's talking about box kicking and you know playing the way we saw England play. doesn't suit the Australians. I don't think it suits the Australians and how they want to play and their psyche of how they play rugby. Just so, get the ball to Nangatawazi. Yeah. No, it's Nawanganitawasi. That guy. There you yeah. go. Get him to get how good am him. I saying that? I had his name above my bed with the cowboy boots on. Yeah. <laughs> and Beck, Beck was yeah. looking at his... Was Beck saying his name? Nawanganitawasi. What... <laughs> she couldn't. She couldn't. Kurabeti, Karevi, they've got some unbelievable players. They're just coached by a clown. Good at World Cup. Eddie Jones, Australia. With history at the World Cup, so I can't bloody wait. Judge me on a World Cup, mate. We will, we will. Come on the journey, mate. We certainly will. I'm on the journey, Eddie. Did you guys watch any of the South Africa game against Argentina? Yes. Did, what did you make of the incident that forced Grant Williams off the field? I disagreed with Goody. I thought it was reckless from Juan Cruz. Malia. Malia. Juan Cruz Malia, I thought I thought it was a little bit reckless. Now, Goody's gone full noise on social media about it. Mine, again, was at face value. When I watched it unfold... It looks awful. It looks awful. Yeah. So, for me, I'm like, well, it's a yellow card. For what, though? For charging down a kick? Just being reckless. You can't just go around giving... I've charged down many a kick, albeit in slow motion, and I've never jumped that high off the floor. I very rarely see players jump that high off the floor. You can't get off your tiptoes <laughs> when you play with your ankle boots. But on. I could dive. <laughs> yeah. You know, you normally see players charge down with their hands to boot. The, the, that's His the hands are in the air charging down. Yeah, I know they're in the air, but as in when you're charging down. So if you watch players, right, charge yeah. down, what they normally do when they charge down, I was going to say a nine or a ten, I was going real old school there, but any player, 
is you charge down hands to boot. You dive where's generally. It come, where's the kick come from? I know. It's come from deep. It's come from the kickoff. Yeah. And he's ran 35 metres. Hmm. And he's charged the ball down. The facts are he's charged the ball down. Yeah, I know the so facts. It, the, the knock-on effect, and it looks ugly. And, you know, unfortunately, we see him sparkhead on the floor. People are like, well, the referee should have blown up straight away. Maybe Andrew Brace didn't see that he was sparkhead on the floor because there's a melee that plays in between him. Well, he wouldn't have seen it, would he? No, he so... He would have blown. Uh, yeah. If he'd have seen that, that he was sparkhead on the floor, he'd have blown up straight away. But the facts are... It's a rugby instant. He's got the charge down. Then everyone's like, yes, but he's hit him in the head with his hip. Mm. But Wayne Barnes in the Bledisloe Cup game penalises Karevi for doing the same thing, but he's got no. He's jumped after the kick's gone and not got any of the charge down. There you so go. So that is the key point so it's an in outcome. all this. Yeah. The, out, the outcome of it is he got the charge down. So therefore, what he's done, he's got the ball. It's very unfortunate, but we do have a contact game where there are going to be rugby instants. Yes. And... People are like, yeah, but CJ Stander got sent off against Patrick Lambie for doing the same thing years ago. Very different. Lambie has chipped it. Stander's jumped after he's chipped it and then cleaned him out in the face. And he hasn't got any of the ball. So they're very different Well, he's been cited. Yeah. I don't know. I, I disagree with it. Well, that's he's got I'll, the charge down. Well, it's the outcome. Yeah, I know. But he's been cited now. So someone disagrees with you. Goody, do you think Manny LeBock is the right option for them at 10? Is he up to that level or are they still reliant on Andre Pollard? It's interesting, isn't it? You go to a World Cup and you look back on history of... There were question marks over Andre Pollard before the 19 World Cup and his goal kicking and all this stuff. And you know, he was a legend in that tournament, wasn't he? Especially the final. But he has had injury issues. And Jim has always got stuck into him a little bit about his injuries. He's fought through them at Leicester as Andre Pollard. You know, he's out at the minute and you have to have backup. You have to have good, viable options to go to. You know, the whole thing with Ireland, with Johnny Sexton, he's their out-and-out leader and there is a massive step down, all due respect, to Byrne. Not necessarily in pure playing terms, in terms of the whole package when Johnny Sexton isn't there. Leadership, you know, running the team, direction, all that stuff. Now, that is the Andre Pollard position for South Africa, where he's the boss, the leader. Everyone, you know, he's been in the environment for a long time. Everyone knows how he's going to play. Marnie LeBoc, I think, is absolutely class. We've raved about him here on the podcast last season of how he played for the Stormers. I'm excited to see how he develops. I thought he played really well against the Aussies. And certainly they're going to need someone else to back up Andre Pollard if they're going in with Andre Pollard is their first choice, and I think Marnie LeBoc's brilliant. He's X-Factor, but he's also a 10 that can play in the Andre Pollard mould if needed and stick to a script. We know how sort of scriptive, if that's even a word, South Africa do play. So, yeah, for me, I, I love Marnie LeBoc. Watching him play, exciting, quick, kicks well, you know, has all the skills, but he's not Andre Pollard in terms of experience. You only get that by playing, don't you? So Damien Willemser as well, who can play fullback, centre and 10. Watching Marnie LeBoc play for the Stormers and you know, obviously under friend of the show, John Dobson, as head coach there, they play an exciting brand of rugby and Damien Willemser often plays fullback 12 wherever. So you can't just go in there with your first choice 15 players because it's an eight-week tournament. South Africa have got to get past Ireland and Romania. Not so much Scotland, Jim, but they have to. And then they've got a massive quarterfinal against either probably France or New Zealand. So there's going to be bangs. You need to have options of how to change a game. And Marnie LeBoc, if you're going in with Andre Pollard as your first choice, I think Marnie LeBoc is your perfect backup to sit on the bench. Do you guys want to talk about the bunker that's been introduced? Yeah. Because that's quite a big thing. It's, 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 has it come in yet or is it coming in? It's coming. coming. Just I, coming. I, I yeah. turned it down. Too busy over the World Cup with the podcast and other shows that we're doing. And but it's a good idea, events. isn't it? Because it's what, yeah. what it's an extra person that's looking at stuff and they've got up to... So if someone gets a yellow card, they've got up to eight minutes to review that and it's a separate person from the TMO. So you're not sitting there as a spectator watching... Rinsing the referee the whole time. Yeah. So it's someone external making the call. I actually quite like that. I yeah. think it takes the emotion out of it. Again, you go back to our headline one here in the Northern Hemisphere the game against Ireland and England, the Freddie Stewart, Hugo Keenan situation, like something like that, in that moment, Freddie would have got a yellow card and he could have then gone and put it to the bunker. No emotion, no screaming, no hysteria, no pressure on the referee in the middle. And then, like you said, they get eight minutes 
Way to, better way of doing it. Yeah, it's a way better. They did it in the under-20s World Cup, yeah. and it worked out really well. I know the profile and... I was disappointed in the under-20s World well. Cup, actually. Well, Why? Well, look at England football, the under-20s, that won... It was all over Sky. It was, you know, it was on. It was hard to watch the under twenties because you have to go online and watch. Social it media coverage was huge, though. Yeah, it was huge. It was a start. But we want to watch. You know, we should be. This is where rugby needs to do more of. Get them a TV deal, so we can see the future stars of tomorrow. You're saying that World Rugby was streaming it. Yeah, there could be an argument for streaming platforms. Yeah. Rugby, just saying. Yeah, that's what I agree with. We need yeah. to see it more. I've got 100%. more accessibility. 100%. Because the biggest barrier to watching stuff is if it's hard to go and find it. Mm. But the bunker, I think it's a great call. Yeah. I, I really do. And that's the big thing. We've always put pressure on referees to make... We want to speed the game up, speed the game up. Sometimes that has led referees to probably a bit of panic and going, I'll just give them a red, where bunker's a great idea. Was that your input at World Rugby, Jim? Not my input, uh, no. But claim, I saw Ian Tempest. He was the bunker man at the weekend for the Scotland Italy game. I saw him after. I was like, mate, nothing to do. Nothing to do today. In the biscuit tin, he was. In the biscuit Tempo tin. Tempo loves a biscuit as well. You could see. <laughs> right, shall we finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly? Yeah, let's. Good. We're going to start off in Scotland, James. And Darcy Graham scoring two tries on his return to the Scotland side after a knee injury was pretty special. Ben Healy gets a shout out in the good this week. His first test start. He got man of the match as well. So big shout out to him and his 50-22 just brought back memories of my... Right foot spirals, I'd slice them and go straight out. His was perfect. So, uh, yeah, massive shout-out to Ben Healy. Argentina get a shout-out. They only lost by a point in South Africa, but probably should have won the game had it not been for a breakaway try and a few missed penalties, which I'll come on to in a minute in the bad. But the good this week, Andy Rowe, you'll be pleased to know, Mm -hmm. goes to New Zealand and their economy. Right, The economy has bounced back. Thank goodness for that. Because had they lost to Australia, the economy would have tanked, mate. Come with us on the journey. But New Zealand, they look absolutely class. Scott Barrett with the absolute boomer of a hit. He was, that's probably his best performance ever in an all-black jersey. All-blacks under the radar a bit for a lot of people. Well, hello, Rugby Championship. They've won it, unbeaten. They look shit hot, shall we say. And I'm sure all you Kiwi fans are absolutely loving it. And you can talk about France and you can talk about Ireland and yeah, mate, we're the bloody All Blacks. We're going to win it, mate. So shout out to New Zealand, the All Blacks. They've won the Rugby Championship again and they look like world beaters and they're going to win the World Cup, aren't they, Andy Ray? Yes, they are, quite easily. There you go, the arrogant Kiwis. The bad. A few bits of bad. We'll start off with Wales. And we talked about this last year in the Rugby Pod, last season, about putting names on the back of shirts for international players so you can see who they are and associate yourselves with players and get to know the stars and learn their names and get their names on the back of your shirt. Well, Wales have done it. They've put it under the number. Who does that, Wales? That's where sponsors go. They've put the names on the back of the shirts, but below the number, not above it. What have they done there? It's trying to be different, mate. Trying to, I don't know. They're Welsh. Carreras. Unfortunately, the Argentinian goal kicker missed a fair few shots at goal, which cost his team dearly. In the end, they should have beaten South Africa probably in Joburg, but unfortunately missed a few kicks of goal. So we've got to give him a mention the bad. But the bad, of course it does. It's going to go to Eddie Jones, the absolute clown at times. Uh, he's taken Australia backwards, I believe. And he's taken them backwards quicker than I used to run to a buffet. And I've run to a lot of buffets in my time. In the three games, he's been whitewashed in the rugby championship. Not sure what he's going on about, talking about the New Zealand economy, mate. Come with us on the journey. Eddie, we do enjoy a lot of your hand grenades that go on, if you can say hand grenades anymore, in the media. But when you get it so wrong, you've got to be called out. So Eddie Jones has taken Australia backwards. They were very, very poor against the All Blacks. The All Blacks were very good. But Eddie, just yeah, get back in your box, mate. Trying the ball is hard, mate, but let them have fun and you might see a better team. So, Eddie Jones, you and your Australia team get the bad this week. And then the ugly, a few bits of ugly this week, unfortunately. Alatoa stretched off at the MCG during the Bledisloe Cup game. Unfortunately, he's going to miss the World Cup now. Really sad scenes when that happens. So close to a World Cup, but big injury. So, he'll be missed, but hopefully he can recover as well as possible to be back for next season. The ugly this week goes to all the helmets on social media. Oh, there's a lot of helmets on social media. Obviously, I'm good mates with Andrew Brace, the referee. Some of the abuse that he got, he sent me some of the screenshots. It's just not acceptable in the world. You know, saying he hope he dies and things like that. and Really? Saying stuff about his family and all this stuff. Yeah, it's just sickening. Like, you disagree with the ref, disagree with him. And 
you know, you can call out a referee's decision, but when you send direct personal messages like that, it's an absolute disgrace. So, Bracey, you're a legend. Safkins have given you a hard time on social media. Try and forget them. You're a top referee. You got the decision right around Juan Cruz Malia and Grant Williams's unfortunate concussion. But to all the knobheads on social media, have a think about some of the ridiculous private messages that you send. It's pretty ugly and there's no place for it in our game or in the world today. Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got some shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, so I've got a big shout-out and sending our thoughts to Luke Orton from Ride on the Isle of Wight. So Luke was playing in the annual beach tournament last weekend and he sadly broke his neck in a freak accident. He's currently paralysed in Southampton General, so we wanted to give you a big shout-out. Luke, say that we're thinking about you. There's been a Just Giving page that has been set up. All you need to do is search Luke Orton on there and you'll get some details of how you can help him out. So stay strong, buddy, and we're thinking about you here at the pod. Yeah, a massive shout-out as well to Sam, Luke and Will, who are currently doing the Poles of Inconvenience Rally, driving from England to Georgia and back hell of a way. In a VW polo, they're raising money for the My Name's Doddy Foundation, so go well, lads. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. And thank you very much for listening. Make sure you check out our website for a list of all the events happening in the build-up to and during the World Cup. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. We back, baby. Rugby spod. Spotted pod, 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 pod. (laughs) 